Welcome to Jubilations, a Judaic podcast intended to educate, inspire, and motivate your hungry Jewish mind. Each week, Jubilations dives into the minds of influential Jewish people, speaking powerful words of wisdom. Rabbi Jonathan Ginsberg, you offer rabbinic services and online educational programs. Uh, rabbi Ginsberg is a veteran rabbi with 30 years of experience in all areas of Judaism. Rabbi, welcome to Jubilations today. Thank you. Nice to talk to you again. You too. Uh, so when did you know that you wanted to be a rabbi? Uh, well, I had a really good Jewish education, but I, I was always going to be a lawyer. And then between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I was actually at a Jewish summer camp and I was teaching something Jewish and I just said, boy, I really like this better. I, how can I earn a living doing this? <laughs> and that sort of, I mean, I could be a rabbi. Yeah, and I had a lot of good rabbi role models. Uh, so it just all fell into place. My parents were a little surprised, but... Were they? I would think... Uh, well, especially, especially my father. He, you know, he, he thought I, he was a lawyer. He always thought I was going to be Oh, Makes but sense. Yeah. Good. And so have you ever missed that you didn't become a, an attorney? Well, another great passion of mine is politics. And so I probably would not have been a practicing attorney, but that's the other main passion I have. So, so I love being a rabbi and I, I still love teaching Judaism and helping Jews out and doing Jewish stuff. So cool. And really was it, has it been everything you've hoped for? Have you still, do you still love doing it? Uh, well, I'm mostly retired now, but um, I still love learning about Judaism, teaching about Judaism, uh, doing Jewish stuff, uh, helping Jews out. So I still, that's never going away. I still like doing that. And you're still, are you still doing YouTube stuff or I didn't see anything really recent, but do you still run stuff I, and I missed it or? 700 of them and most of the topics I wanted to cover. Actually, I found out that if I can. I can do a Facebook video yep. and get like 50,000 hits on it. Uh, so and, uh, most of those are political, but that seems to be just as, as easier, in fact, than doing YouTube. And it's uh, uh, very simple to do, so I've been doing that more. Thing When I started that, I think 2008, th- th- it was brand new, and the only clergy I saw from all denominations were extremists. Huh. So I thought more moderate voice. So I started doing sort of my middle of the road perspective on Jewish stuff. And now of course there's lots, yeah. but those days there weren't. So it was pretty new and uh, kind of happy to put a voice out there that was sort of more moderate than either the very far left or the very far right. Cool. Uh, so what, do, what has been your favorite part about being a rabbi? In all the years you've done it, what's been your favorite part about it? Well, I always, you know, it's interesting. When I was thinking about becoming a rabbi, I went to my Hillel rabbi in Chicago, and he asked me two questions. He said, you love Jews no matter what, because Jews can be really tough to deal with. So I said, yeah, I love Jews no matter what. And then he said, you love synagogue? And I said, yeah, I've always loved synagogue, because you're going to be spending your life around a synagogue. Yeah. So... I still, I love dealing with Jews and being with Jews. 
And I've always enjoyed synagogue. I love services. I love the teaching, the sermons. That's been the heart of it. But the most powerful part is when you're actually doing a life cycle event. You know, I just came from a funeral at a bar mitzvah last weekend, at weddings. And when you're actually dealing with people at the most important times of their life, that is most emotionally powerful and we can have the most impact. What do you think is the most important role for a rabbi? Well, that's a really interesting question because the title means teacher. And for most of Jewish history, they didn't have permanent pastors like they do now. So the rabbis were judges and they were itinerant uh, preachers and they were teachers. But today we've sort of adopted more of the Christian model of pastor, where you have full-time rabbis sitting in congregations, planning programs, meeting with people, doing uh, preaching, a different job, fairly new in the last couple hundred years. Um, so that's been a, a big change. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and I and but uh, this is what we all expect now when we go to rabbinical school. We expect to do that pretty much unless you just want to you do a specialized thing, like you want to use it as a way of getting into teaching university or... Yeah. yeah, yeah. If somebody came to you and they had this question for you, I'm in love with this person, I want to marry them, but they're an alcoholic, what would be your response to them? How would you deal with it? Well, uh, I'd say that... I, I'm certain there's a small percentage of people that can change through AA or uh, basically AA, but there's a very good chance that they won't change. So you're probably looking at a lifetime with an addicted personality, uh, you know, alcoholism, and that can be ruinous. So and don't ever expect that you can change them. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't happen. Uh, so... If you're willing to face the real, the prospect of living with alcoholic for a lifetime, knowing the ups and downs and what that can do and the, the difficulty in their personal life and the danger that that poses for your future children and employment issues and and the uh, and a lot of times that you also people should know that things like alcoholism is a is a treatment a self medication for depression. I heard yeah, once a yeah. men go to therapists 13% more than Gentile men. The Gentile men are alcoholics 13% more than Jewish men. So basically, <laughs> Jews treat through therapy and, el- and Gentiles through alcohol. So <laughs> That's funny, actually. It's great. Chronic depressive, which is another issue. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so... As long as people go into it eyes open, but uh, people should make the mistake of thinking they can actually change somebody. Yeah. And, and the alcoholism and other addictions are very difficult to change. What do you think your, your greatest challenge has been as a rabbi? Um, well, yeah, some, if your goal is to transform the Jewish world and make everybody a committed Jew, you quickly get disabused of that idea. It's not going to happen, and uh, except for ultra-Orthodoxy, Jews are getting less and less observant and less and less committed to study all the time, every succeeding generation in, in America, and uh, Jews and rabbis have to adjust to that, figure out how to, you know, what to do with that reality. 
right now, most of the people I deal with are very assimilated because I'm dealing mostly with non-synagogue goers. Yeah. I, I, first, so I deal with people that sometimes I'm at the funeral, I'm the only Jew because the deceased was Jewish, but he married a non-Jew and all their kids are non-Jewish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's mostly just serving the Jew, the needs of the Jews and teaching where you can and trying to inspire where you can. But you can't really count success in terms of added meets votes or uh, assuming that people will get too involved Jewishly. I was just reading a Wall Street Journal article about the Catholic Church with the exact same problem, where now only 7 to 10% of the Catholics go to Mass regularly, and they're all trying to figure out how to make churches more welcoming and inspiring. And, uh, because on the extremes there are, there's a lot of vitality in Christianity, sort of what we would consider to be the most right-wing churches, most uh, radically religious, and in Jewish life, too, the most enthusiasm is among the ultra-Orthodox. Yeah, that's so true. So true. It's interesting. And actually, when I'm davening, uh, and I'm not officiating a service, I go to a Chabad. I never thought I'd do, but I enjoy that more. <laughs> yeah, so, I, uh, we have found that to be pretty enlightening as well. It's, it's, maybe it's just because I kind of feel like the whole conservative part is, is, having, is having a structural problem where the reform and the orthodox seems to be stronger, which I think is very interesting, at least in my world or people that I know. Oh, well, that's happened statistically. The conservative movement, every time they do a population study, loses huge market share, if you want to go by that, yeah. in terms of how much affiliate conservative so it was the majority uh, 20 years ago. It was, uh, it was the plurality, like 45%. Then it dropped to 35%. And then the last time it was like 25%. And if you ask people under the age of 30, it was down to 11%. So wow. there are trees that are thriving, like the Ramah system is thriving. But the Chicago Solomon Checker, for example, which is the conservative day school, it's got half the enrollment it did 10 years ago. Looking at the fact that we have 613 commandments. Is there one that you can think of, there's probably more than one or maybe not, that have changed over time? Well, they've, oh, first of all, you know, that 613 is according to the Orthodox. And they decided there were 613 before they actually counted. <laughs> so when they actually went back into the Torah and counted, they always came up with 613, but the list varied. By uh, significantly by the number like like forty, according to Maimonides, his six hundred thirteen, which is another rabbi. Interesting. Um, but there are a lot of commandments, obviously, way more than ten. There's hundreds, and a lot of them have undergone significant reinterpretation over the centuries, uh, especially from what the original meaning was. So Jewish, the Jewish law always believed that there was an oral tradition that accompanied the written words. It's kind of like um, an oral tradition that would accompany that would explain the Constitution. So when it says, don't cook a kid in the mother's milk, traditional Judaism has always believed that God said to Moses, what that means is, don't uh, eat cheeseburgers, don't cook meat and milk together. Uh, and when it says, don't do work on the Sabbath, it, it always assumed that God said to Moses, well, these are the things I mean by don't work. So we always have had that. Huh. But obviously, in, in liberal Judaism, there are some things that seem to be clear in the Torah that liberal Judaism completely rejects today. Uh, for example, 
saying that homosexuality was an abomination or, uh, you know, male or, um, uh, and there, even the rabbis reinterpreted certain biblical verses because they found them not to be taken literally like you should kill a stubborn, rebellious child or give a woman you suspect of adultery chemical tests or different things like that. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I'm going to leave my, my favorite one to the last part, because I know you could go crazy on this one. I know that, you, that politics are like your hot topic. If God could elect our next president, which box do you think he'd pencil in, and why? Oh, Trump, for sure. No question. <laughs> when, why do you think? Well, Hillary is completely incompetent. Every single thing she ever touched as Secretary of State has is, been is a disaster, caused enormous. We got Russia massing in the Atlantic. We got China in the South Sea. We got North Korea's missiles. We got ISIS spread to 30 countries. Uh, it's a disaster. The world is on, on the brink of a disaster because of her and Obama's incompetence. But besides that, she's a monster. She, she's the most corrupt person we've ever seen in politics. She is a thief and a bribe taker and a bribe giver. We learned yesterday that she had a guy give the second top FBI agent in charge of investigation of her, $675,000, the wife of him, the FBI agent. I mean, she's a complete, and then the Clinton Foundation, only 6% goes to charity, not the 90% she claims. The rest, it was all taken from bribes from countries that throw gays off the roofs. I mean, she is a monster. She talked about killing Assange, the WikiLeaks guy. Can't we drone him, she said. Uh, I mean, she is a very dangerous, corrupt, Lie and everything out of her mouth to lie everything, everything. So, uh, Trump is not a good. He's. I don't know if he's mentally sane. Ah, uh, okay. Glad, I'm glad you're saying that. I was kind of hoping that that we're kind of in a crappy position altogether, and God would probably struggle as well. <laughs> but you know, eighty-five. First of all, he's against the Iran deal, which is the worst deal America ever took. She's for it. He's against bringing in Syrian refugees that we cannot vet unless we can vet them properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's against open borders. She's for it. He wants to, she was the one who helped create ISIS, and under her, we got ISIS in 30 countries. He will be much tougher on that. Putin has, as he said in the last debate, he's absolutely right. Putin is not intimidated at all by Hillary, or they don't, he doesn't respect Hillary or Obama. He, he will not mess around with Trump. Um, China will not mess around with Trump. So, and that is a very, and ISIS will not mess around with Trump. So those are very serious safety issues that we've got to consider. Um, the economy has been a disaster under Obama. He's the first president ever not achieve 3% growth. And Hillary would do just the same horrible thing of more taxes and more regulations, which are business killers. And Trump will reduce the corporate tax rate, which is the highest in the world, cut regulations, and will have more growth. I think it's an easy choice, even though he's, uh, you know, he can definitely be a crazy man. Yeah, uh, so true. But for me, she's evil. So, yeah, it's hard. It's I don't think either of them are really the right pick, but I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see. Do you have a favorite TV series and why? As a last question. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, favorite TV series. Well, you know, I just I just finished watching Narcos, uh, Netflix 
on the uh, famous drug lord of the uh, 80s. Uh, that was a fascinating series. Um, I really enjoyed Scandal, The uh, another, uh, uh, I think it's a Showtime series. Uh, no, I can't remember what channel. But Scandal is um, I can't remember. a show about politics and a fixer. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed that. Um, uh, um, I, I really liked Series 24, if you remember that one. That was another yep. sort of uh, world's going to end. Can this guy fix it? So every once in a while I find a series I really like, but mostly I listen to talk radio. And uh, there's also a Jewish channel, which in Chicago it's um, it's also with, with uh, like Newsmax TV. But there's a Jewish channel that I enjoy watching. It's got Jewish movies and Jewish. Oh, nice! Uh, wow. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So uh, if Rabbi, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, best thing is email, I think, judaism36 at gmail.com. It's easiest cool. to remember. Excellent. Rabbi, yeah, thank so you. Nice. Thank you so much yeah. for letting me have a little bit of your brain today. Thanks for listening to Jubilations. May you go from strength to strength.